0: Thank you so much for the lamb of God. In the fullness of time God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem us. And I thank you for that near 2000 years ago and today these many centuries later we sing of your beloved son even the Lord Jesus who is the song maker our joy our rejoicing one And Father, thank you for the written Word that teaches us from cover to cover of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you might grow us up, that we might eat deeply of the Word, that we would be uh, mature saints, ambassadors for Christ, active in the ministry of reconciliation, reaching a lost world for Jesus, because people need the Lord. In a few moments, we'll depart. And uh, dis- disassemble into a world that's lost and hopeless and uh, upside down. And we go forth as children of light. May we take the message of light. And may the light and the love of Jesus be seen in our lives, in our hearts. To use us to make a difference, even to one person this week. So we pray for that. Give us attentiveness. Cause us to uh, not worry about the cares of the world that, we, that walk in here with us, that press upon us of health needs and financial needs and major decisions and work-life, Lord. And let us for these short minutes focus on you. May we hear your voice through the Spirit of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and look at uh, Romans chapter 8. Last uh, last time we uh, looked at uh, Psalm 33, and uh, part of that psalm we made mention that uh, God uh, uh, sometimes vetoes the actions of men. Have you ever noticed that? That'd be a fun study to go through and and to consider in the scriptures where God uh, vetoes uh, what looks obvious in man's decision. And God goes like, "Mm, no, I don't think so. Not going to do that. And we mentioned Sennacherib's 185,000 outside Jerusalem. And that night they all got a belly ache and they died. And God said, no, not going to do that. And story upon story upon story, in, in, in the word of God, we find that happening. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Normally people burn up in fire, right? Make it seven times hotter, we're going to burn them up. And God says, what? No, uh, we're not going to do that. And uh, man, uh, man proposes, but God disposes. It's God's will that ultimately and finally will always come about. And I say to you, look for him in the detail. He's a God of detail. I know it's very common for us to say, the devil's in the detail. Usually it's in a contract where there's a, 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 a way out. And we're like, I didn't read that paragraph, you know. And all the, oh, the devil's in the detail. No, God is in the details. Look, The smallest, most minute thing of physical life, the cell, even within the cell, utterly complexity of the cell, the universe, the elements, your bodies, God is in the detail. He's in the detail of history and movements of people. He establishes the boundaries. There was a definite beginning. There'll be a definite ending. It's his narrative. It's just not a runaway train. What a terrible thing that is, to have a runaway train. It's right on time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. Well, uh, thinking about that, and I made reference to the fact, Romans 8.28, uh, we, and we hear that quoted a lot. For we know that all things work together for the good, to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Right? And I'll even hear, I've said that before, unsaved people say, well, it says somewhere in the Bible, all things work for good." You'll hear people say that. They get a memory of that. And you go like that, uh, no, that's not true. It's not true. It's only I promise made for the called Romans 28, those who are saved, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can know this for sure, that all things work together for the good. We're made in God's image, and so we're always looking for purpose. We're just not stuff. We're just not material. Stuff happens, and we go like, oh, I wish I knew the reason why. When people do that, they're, looking for, they're, they're responding in a, a, a shadow of a likeness of God of rationale and and reason and purpose and all of that. So having said that, I I, I raise the question, how do we really know that Romans 8.28 is for sure? How do we really know that? We go like, well, God, you know, he uh, disposes. It's his will that's done. And we saw that in Proverbs 19. How do we really know that? Well, Paul writing in Romans chapter 8, which is the Mount Everest of Scripture. I mean... Mount Everest, 29,000 feet, right? It is, I mean, you're at the summit when he gets, begins with no condemnation, ends with no separation. And, I mean, Paul is up there in the clouds talking about the wonder and the glory of our salvation and it's in this chapter that Romans 8.20, for we know that all things work together to them that love God, to them that are of the called according to his purpose. And then we go like, that's found there. But the, how do we really know that that's true? Well, let's, let's answer that. I've, I've written the title of The message is The Golden Chain of Salvation. Let me introduce this uh, ch- uh, this little section in Romans 8:29-30 by saying, "Have you ever you visit? I know that all of you have visited Gettysburg, right? Gettysburg Battlefield. Some of you are crazy on it. I, I worry about you after you tell me about all that the battle reenactments and and, and all that kind of thing. I, I, a year ago was the hundredth anniversary of that three-day battle, and there were hundreds and thousands of people down there." Uh, how many of you went last year? Because it was uh, Mike. You got, uh, uh, come on, raise your hand. We got more than that. Uh, okay, I thought so. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so one of the things now I know they did a lot of renovation building up to that centennial celebration. Last year, but when I, faith and I were down there, they had the murals on the wall. Did they still have the murals of the of the different stages of the battle, or did they whitewash that? The, oh, they did. They still have that though. Yes. And it shows like day one, Cemetery Ridge, and then each one, how many of you know what I'm talking about there? You see the different murals of the battle, and people come from all over the world to study that, and crazy pickets charge, and all of that on day three, and all that kind of thing. Well, I say all that uh, because it showed the panorama of the battle. You know, it's one thing to read about it, and we have to read about it, of course. But it's one thing to visually see it, you know, the eye's a better learner than the ear, and the uh, picture's worth a thousand words. They're like, oh, day one. Oh, later day one. Oh, day two. And you see the panorama of it as it unfolded uh, a beautiful pictorial uh, of the battle. That's the blank there, <laughs> and how it unfolded. Well, I say all that to say that's what Paul does in our text here today. Paul is going to present a panorama, a series of pictures. Uh, of the glory of our salvation, he's going to present this panorama from its very beginning in eternity past to its very finished in eternity future, and it's glorious. And this glorious of all chapters, Romans chapter 8. It, it, it is amazing. Your salvation does not depend upon your faith in God. Did you know that? We're saved by faith. But it's not your faith holding on to God. Guess what? You would have let go like I did in the first five minutes. Ah! (laughs) That's not the biblical teaching of salvation. God gives us the faith. Right? Your salvation does not depend on your faith in God or your love of God. You know, our love of God waxes and wanes through the ups and downs of life and busyness of life can rob the love that we should have for God every day. Your salvation, good news, it's not dependent on that. It's entirely dependent upon God himself. Aren't you glad of that? It's his work. You're his work. Aren't you glad of that? Look at you. I'm glad it's him. Look at That's you know, that. He... Uh, it's his work from beginning to end it's his plan that's unfolding and will be finished and god always finishes what he starts now there are some dear folks that we love him dearly that i think are genuinely saved but they live with a terrible nagging thought that somehow they can lose their salvation that he loves me loves me not. remember that when you're dating maybe some you're dating he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, right? And they, they sort of treat God that way. I guess I'm saved, no, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm saved, I got, what a terrible, terrible thing. They need to keep studying their Bible because from cover to cover, our salvation is God's word. If it were left up to us, guess what? None of you would believe upon the Lord Jesus, none of you. None of you would. But God opens your heart. You and I are like Lazarus, we're dead, and God calls us by name, and we say, like the man who was born blind, I once was blind, but now I see. God calls us and saves us and keeps us, and we are trophies of his grace. And Paul, in this panorama of salvation, he unfolds this, uh, and I've called it uh, five links in this golden chain. Think of a chain that go around a woman's neck or something. Five links in this golden chain of salvation encouraging you that your salvation is God's work in you. Each link is forged in heaven. Each describes what God himself has done. There is no greater panorama given to God of salvation in the entire Bible than this. I mean, you say, you know, uh, remember who wrote that, uh, that poem, uh, I Love You, Let Me Count the Ways? Who wrote that? Was that Kipling? Yeah, listen, I, I, you know, I love you, let me count the ways, and goes and lists all these. And so I sort of thought this, because you might say, how has God loved us? These five links, let's count the ways. The way that God demonstrated his love for you and for me, lost sinners deserving the fire of hell, and yet God saves us and treats us as his glorified, wonderful children. From eternity past, this panorama goes, from the very beginnings... Eternity passed to the very end, like the Gettysburg three-day murals. Here it is. Paul's going to give it. He's going to, how do we know that all things work together for good? Because it's God's work. And he pulls back the curtain and he shows us uh, the five links of this thing called salvation. A lot of folks stumble over this, but let the word of God form your thinking, okay? Uh, the first link is God's foreknowledge. Let's read the text, 28, 29, and 30. And we know that for those, uh, and we know that, ESV now, and, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now here's our text. For, he's going to explain why, for those whom he foreknew, there's foreknowledge, he also predestined, predestination, predestined, conformed to the image of his Son in order, They may be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, here's the third link, uh, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Now in uh, in verses 29 to 30, he gives five-fold panorama of this glory of salvation. It's God's work, and God began it, and he will finish it. And that's how we in particular know in our life how God is weaving the tapestry of our lives together, the ups and downs and all of that for his glory and he will finish it. Remember Paul says in another place of uh, being confident of this very thing that he who began the good work in you, Philippians, he will finish it. God is a finisher. He's not like not like us often right we might fi- start a whole bunch of stuff and we don't quite fi- God always finishes what he starts well the first golden link is uh, God's foreknowledge and what's that mean he selected ones to whom would be saved and he did this in eternity past before time before creation yeah, it, uh, this is the very beginning of your salvation from eternity past in the choice of God. Now, this is not my opinion, and don't be mad at me. I'm just the delivery boy. I used to deliver the Buffalo newspaper every morning. I never wrote any one single word in it, but I was charged uh, to deliver the news, and this is the news of God's word, and these are the words. Your, your problem is with God, then, if you struggle over these. Well, let the word of God form your thinking and leave your bias to parts. And, Lord, teach me your word. God's foreknowledge. He selects ones. Well, A, this is the most important probably of all five. For Had God not done that first of all, none of the rest would come about. Yet, surprisingly, this is so misunderstood by many, many Christians and many, many in the world. The word foreknowledge, look at the word fore, made up of two words. Fore means beforehand, of course, or before. And the word knowledge... Uh, it has been taken to mean that God saw who would exercise faith in him and it, uh, it is those men and women who he chose. Well, the problem is this is completely and utterly false. Not that, that's not foreknowledge at all. Uh, the word is so strong it's really foreordained. God or foreordained. And the, the wrong view is the telescope. You know, like, here's God and he's looking down through the quarters of time and... Oh, I see Terry would trust me. okay, Write his name in the book that's a that is never happened ever, ever ever that God had to wait and depend upon me god is uh, is all knowing he has a plan that's all encompassing for his glory, and the Bible teaches that, and God foreordained He selects some, and if he didn't, nobody would be saved. Nobody we begin at that point because we're born. Totally depraved. And we read some uh, collateral scriptures. John six forty four. No one can come to the come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Nobody. Acts two twenty-three, Jesus. Jesus was handed over to you by the set purpose and the foreknowledge of God. God had ordained it. Acts four twenty-seven, twenty-eight. And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And 1 Peter 1-2, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. One other, 2 Timothy 1-9 says, God who saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose in grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Well, See on your sheet, the word foreknowledge means that your salvation had its origin in the eternal counsel of God, not in man. God fixed his love upon some. His saving love we're talking about. God loves all humanity, all. I believe John 3:16. for God so loved the world includes all people. He does. God is love and God loves... And yet, had God not selected some from eternity past, nobody would be saved. You would not be here, I would not be here. This whole passage is not about man. Rather, it's about what God has done. God has ordained all of this. All of it. And we're born in sin, and we sinned. We could not possibly have helped ourselves. God caused it to happen. Well, the first link is God's four. Knowledge, the second link in verse 29, God's predestination. God has determined your destination. That's how we know that Romans 8.28 is effective because God already has woven it all together in his plan, not left to happenstance. This is not the same as foreknowledge, for predestination takes us one step further. Again, the word is made up of two words, pre, which means before, uh, before and destination, uh, the word means to determine a person's destination ahead of time. Uh, we we do this all the time when we fly. Now Sarah and the girls will fly back tomorrow down to Birmingham, and when uh, Faithy takes them down to BWI, they're going to ask, uh, "What's your final destination?" You I know, mean, final destination, Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, you know, now they do a lot of self check-ins so they don't. Ask that, but if you have bags, they have to do that, right? And that's the idea, the final destiny. God has already determined the ending that he is making you and I into the likeness of Jesus. He tells us that he has marked out our final destination and that's to be like Jesus. Day by day, growing in grace. God has marked that out. It's not left for happenstance or chance. Remember, uh, these words like predestination and foreknowledge refer to time. They refer to time, uh, and we are creatures of time. Have you noticed that? We're creatures of the day, creatures of time. Most all of you have a watch. You know what time it is. You're saying, I hope he doesn't go long today. I'm going to have dinner. This is the Fourth of July weekend. I hope he's aware of it. I, I know all that. <laughs> we're teachers of, creatures of time. We're locked into that. God is above and above time. He created time. Time is his servant, the unfolding of time. You know, I' marvel at that, that the length of a day is 24 hours. God ordained that. It's not like, boy, we're sure lucky. it's just 24 hours. Imagine if a day were 72 hours. You and I'd be laying down two or three times, eight hour shots each time. Yeah, I'm going down for my second time today. It's still, <laughs> or night. The night would be <laughs> horrendously long. We'd be up and down and up and down and up and down on day one. You know, like, you know, God built us within that 24 hours and how it all works and, and so on. And the history is His story. And, it's, and, and we're locked in the time. And so to tell us the future, it's free. Three, yeah, or, or four, knowledge. Uh, telling us ahead of time what would happen. But with God, God's not locked into time. It's just all knowledge to him. And he has a plan that includes everything. And so he says, this is what's going to happen. Don't you love well, that in Isaiah? Where uh, even, even before Cyrus is born, God says to Isaiah, and I'm going to call Cyrus my servant. And He's here's this. This wicked king that he's going to use in Israel's life is I'm going to name him by name. I'm the Lord God and I can do this. I'm going to name it, name him well before the time. And I can do this. Why? Because God is a God of knowledge. He knows the end from the beginning. That's what Alpha and Omega means. The beginning and the end. And so it's f- future to us but it's simply knowledge to God. And uh, his knowledge is, is simply that way. God simply knows and determines all things. He alone is great. He's not locked into time. He doesn't have to wait and see who's going to win the World Cup. Uh, you know, we all know the U.S. is not going to win the World Cup this year. Not by a long shot. Don't bet on them. They are... <laughs> well, Raj, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> that would have been... Costa Rica did pretty good, though. You have to admit to that. No one figured that to be the case. But, you know, the Germans, who's going to win? Who knows? But God knows ready. How about that? Well, that's the second uh, link. God, who he foreknew, he also determined the final destiny. That's Christ's likeness. And the third golden link is God's calling. Verse 30. He called. That is, he is calling his sheep out by name. God's foreknowledge and predestination lead to this. God's call brings forth spiritual life otherwise we're dead this is the work of god he breaks into our time and space world all of the other is uh, eternity past and now we're at this point 2014 finally May July right July the 6th and god is building his church and he is calling through the preaching of the word faith comes by hearing Hearing the word of God, he's calling out boys and girls and men and women to saving faith. It's his echo, his, echo, his call. God's choice is now put into fruition. This calling intersects with the days of your life and mine. The easiest way to remember this is to see the power of Jesus outside the tomb of Lazarus. He stands outside, and his sisters say, Lord, you should have come here earlier, and this might not have happened, but now he's been buried four days, and he stinketh. You bet he stinketh. They, they didn't use embalming or fluid or anything like that, and Lazarus' soul was gone from that body. He had been buried and wrapped, and here's Jesus in Bethany, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Larry came forth. Yes, he did. That is the call of God upon a dead individual. That's the picture of salvation. Uh, the, though we're not physically dead spiritually, we're dead. We have no connection with God. We just carry on our life in our own sinful, selfish ways. and God, and through the hearing of the voice of Jesus, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Hear the gospel. God calls out people for saving faith. He regenerates their heart, makes them alive. That's that's what it means to be regenerated. And the ser- first two fruits of it are repentance and faith. They're the fruits of salvation. They're the fruits of being born again. I once was blind, but now I see. That's the picture. of That's what happened to a, a boy many, many years ago in North Tonawanda. Our f- pastor was faithful and Preaching the gospel. And he called and went through the Romans' road. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I heard that for the first time. And I asked my mother what that meant. And the next week, he ended very similarly. And uh, God opened my heart. And I wanted to trust Jesus. I knew I was a sinful boy. And and uh, and I did, and I prayed with a worker, and God opened my heart, and uh, I wept, and I was saved, and I left that place feeling new all over, and even as a seven-year-old boy felt. God had opened my heart. And he has kept me all these years. Now, all of our stories are different if you know him. Maybe you are 99, maybe 69, maybe 19. He tends to save children whose hearts are not overly calloused with the ways of the world. That's why the wonder of child evangelism and children's ministry. We've got to have a vision for that before the roughness and the reality just calluses over hearts. Spirit of God can still save them. But uh, reach them and you get the whole life. God calls out by name. I told this story many times because it sticks in my mind of uh, Harry and Roy when visiting into a man's house uh, in the neighborhood over in Shermanstown, And they spent an hour going through the gospel with with the old timer. And uh, at the end, Roy said to him, would you like to ask Jesus to be your savior? And uh, the man said, uh, no. No, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to. And right at that moment, behind the couch, the men had not even realized there was a nine-year-old girl who had been hiding. And a voice came out and said, Mister, I'd like to ask Jesus to save me from my sin. That's the gospel. The gospel goes out. And there are two callings. Don't be confused by it. There's the general call. It's a call to everyone to repent and to believe the gospel. We're to proclaim it. We're to broadcast it. That's what we do with the radio. We broadcast the good news. And as the word goes out, it then targets individual ones that have been foreordained, predestined, and there begins to be a response some it takes longer, but some it's instantly. They respond to the gospel, and they're wonderfully saved. Jesus is calling his sheep out, and the sheep know my voice, and they hear me, and I know them, and I call them by name. That's the teaching of the Bible. Isn't it wonderful <laughs> that he knows my name? Can there be anything more wonderful someday than for you to stand near the presence of the Lord, and he looks at you, and he calls your name? He said my name. He said my name. It makes me laugh. Jonathan was down at the U.S. Open and uh, Zach Johnson who's a really famous golfer uh, Sarah had helped him he, he got some tickets. Zach bought uh gave him tickets at the gate. I mean it was, it was on the computer and uh, John saw him there between holes and he yells out to Zach and of course Zach's so focused on the game he is and then John yelled out thank you for the tickets and and then John, and Zach looked up, saw Jonathan, went over, shook his hand. You know, people around him thinking, Jonathan must be really famous, you know. And, uh, and Zach greeted him, he called him by name. He said, oh, you're welcome, Jonathan, you know. He said, I'm like, what a special gift that was. You know, how about Jesus calling us by name? I really, that blows my mind. A lot of times when I was younger, when my name was yelled, I was in trouble. There would be a group of people and my name would be yelled. I remember that in, in sixth grade on a campout, I had led it, well, that was the problem. I had led during rest time a bunch of folks down, <laughs> down, to, the, down to get some, they had some great frogs and stuff down by the creek. And we we're supposed to get in an a rest. And I can hear still hear through the trees Miss Casey yelling my name when there's about ten of us. I guess she thought I was, I, I was, I got in trouble. And uh, But anyway, Jesus, to call your name and, and, and not know you're in deep trouble. How about that? Wow, it's beautiful. Don't see uh, is don't confuse the two types of calling in our Bible. One's external, it's general, it's universal. It's the open invitation for all persons to repent, believe the, the, the gospel, turn to Jesus, be saved. And Jesus, issue... A, it, 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 Jesus issues this kind of call I have it on your sheet Matthew 11:20, where he says come unto me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest the problem is left to ourselves. none of us respond positively we go like no way Jose no way Jose in the general call and, and the thing here let me say one more thing about the general call is let me use another metaphor because Jesus calls another metaphor like a farmer broadcasting seed the gospel is the seed and it scatters and you can be a great seed scatterer or you can you can be a novice you know, how do we know where you're going and you know this kind and god that uh, the soil is is the is the heart and uh, it that seed scatters and some of it uh, will be genuine and produce a, a bumper harvest and some won't but the scattering but the the second the, the second call, not to confuse the first, is internal, it's specific, it's effectual, it's always effectual. This is not only issues, invitation provides the ability and the willingness to respond positively. This is the Father's drawing. And God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, summons a man or woman, boy or girl, and gives salvation. Well, that's calling. That's... Uh, God's salvation breaks into time. The fourth golden um, uh, link in this chain is justification. You see that on your sheet. God declares you now righteous, though you're a sinner. Declared righteous. It's an act of God. Justification on your sheet A means that it's an act. Like God is a judge where he hits the gavel. Declared Righteous. Based upon the righteousness of Jesus. His righteousness into our account. Our sin nailed to his cross. The double imputation. Some of you know what that means. He declares us, sinful men and women, in himself, in Jesus, God the Father, declares us righteousness. It's never based on our own righteousness. We don't have any. Even our best is often tainted with not good. Our righteousness, the prophet said, is as filthy rags. It is only the righteousness of Jesus. Someday, if you're standing at heaven's gate and God says to you, why should I let you in? Don't claim that you were a good person ever. It is only because of the righteousness of Jesus that I stand. And a welcome, 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 justified, declared righteous. That's what uh, verse thirty is teaching us. And the basis is B is the substitutionary death of Jesus. He paid for our sins. His righteousness is placed into your account. I don't know how much you have in your bank account, but that's the idea. It's an accounting term, and uh, and, and all of a sudden there's a lot of money placed in there. I remember that with the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember that. There they are in, in Beverly Hillbillies and Jed go down to the bank now and then and that Texas tea was uh, Texas oil in Kentucky or somewhere, wasn't it? Or Tennessee? I can't remember. Was pumping all that money into his bank account. Boy, woo! Look at all that, all those zeros. Remember that? <laughs> well, that's the idea. Jesus write, put right in your account and you're standing before holy God. Otherwise, we're... Guilty and condemned and lost. Wow. Our faith is but the byproduct of regeneration. You are not saved because of your faith. Faith is the channel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. The last uh, golden link in this chain is, God, is God's glorification in, in verse 30. He will certainly make you like Jesus. And this is still future for us. We're declared righteous, but right at this moment, if you know Jesus as your Savior, right, right standing before, before Roman numeral 5, glorification, if, when Jesus comes, we shall be like him, the Bible says in 1 John 3, for we'll see him as it will be transformed. Metamor- and, and we'll be like him. Sin nature gone, and uh, we'll be like him. Otherwise, when we die... And uh, we, we are taken to glory, we will be glorified. Glorified. You're going to look better, smell better, be better than you ever imagined. You won't even recognize your pastor. How about that? You won't even have a sin nature. I, good riddance, goodbye. I can't wait to get rid of that guy. You know, <laughs> Glorified, live forever when this mortal shall put on immortality. In 2 Corinthians 5, what a great day that will be. That's why Paul says it's much better by far. He uses triple comparison. It's much better by far to depart and be with Jesus. But it's more needful that I spend more time with you. That's what he says there. (laughs) Isn't that the case, right? Well, glorification. Uh, you, just a note here An A, like the other four, this one is given in past tense, though it's still future for us. It means, m- meaning it's complete. It's, it's so certain in God's eyes, it's already a done matter that, uh, that it's done. And yet we're waiting for it. Philippians 1.6, God will complete it. It's a done deal. Your salvation is not left up to you. Mm-mm. God has taken the whole thing upon himself. You could not be more secure in Jesus. What a great message. What a great message. It's the kind of message that you can lay down on a pillow at night, though it's storming outside, and life seems all screwed up and messed up, and you put your head down and you're like, Lord, you're weaving it all together for good. I'm a trophy of your grace. You didn't have to choose me, but you did. (laughs) It's often a mess, but you promised, and I know the end game. I'm going to be like Jesus. So, Lord, grow me in grace. What can we say? So what? What difference should this make in our life? Number one, be very encouraged. For unlike us, God always finishes what he starts. He always finishes. And if he has opened your heart and saved you by the blood of his son, he will complete his work in you. It's certain. It is certain, more certain than moral. Heaven is your home. Praise him. For all things do work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the call. Number two, don't be troubled by the words foreknowledge and predestination. A lot of people twist it all around, get bent out of shape. Foreknowledge simply means God had a plan. It's a complete plan before eternity passed. And predestination simply means he has already planned what you're going to be like at the end. What's your final destiny? To be like Jesus. Oh, there it is. Don't have a problem with that. That's biblical. Okay? Rather, let God's God's word form your thinking and not vice versa. His plan is unstoppable. Number three, remember salvation is not you holding on to the Lord. It's God holding on to you in the palm of his hand. John 10. If it were dependent upon you holding on, you had been lost the first day. Find sweet rest and peace in this truth. We belong to him. We are his. No matter what befalls us, Jesus doeth all things well. And fourth and last, right now, Jesus is calling men and women through my voice. There's a general call to repentance and faith. If you've not believed upon him as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Lord Jesus, um, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my God. Thank you for dying for me. Jesus is calling. He's calling. Calling boys and girls and men and women. He's calling. Will you come to well, God is so wonderful. He gives us in this Mount Everest passage, this Romans 8, where we often go to Romans eight twenty eight. We know all things work together. The basis of it is, is because from beginning to end, it's God's plan, and it's his project. It's his doing. And so we can rest and rejoice and share this incredible news. It's not only good, it's great. It's the best news that Jesus died for sinful men and women. come. Come, let's stand and be dismissed, shall we? Father, thank you for this wonderful passage in your word, and thank you for the glory of our Savior, thank you for the plan of the ages, thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives within us, and I pray, Father, that uh, you might nurture us, may our hearts be tender, may we be growing in grace, and now as we soon leave, Father, may you use us to be a blessing, to love other people, to the gospel, we pray for that. Dismiss us with your blessing. We thank you so much for this beautiful day and for every precious one that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. We are dismissed.